6 at Getting Sketchy with David Stolowitz. Press out those new jokes every Monday, 6 to 8 on Joke Workshop with 4-minute sets and 4-minute critiques from everyone. Get positive by host Pam Benjamin. Pump those dick jokes every Thursday, 7 to 9 with True Hustle Thursdays. Hashtag THC. That's hashtag THC. T. You want more open mics? Fridays, 6 to 8. Happy hour with guest host and George D. Smith. Pew, pew, pew. Four open mics every week at Mutiny Radio, brother. After work and take a seat at Asiento, a great place to meet friends, have delicious tapas and drinks, and relax with your neighbors. Located at Bryant and 21st Street in the Deep Mission, Kitty Corner Block from Mutiny Radio. Come and get a drink during the Comedy Festival and enjoy happy hour pricing all night long with your festival ticket. A great neighborhood bar, come take a seat at Asiento. Everybody should listen to Mutiny Radio at mutinyradio.fm. It's a great place to listen to crazy things. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me sea dogs and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutinyradio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit face McRat. <laughs> Everybody, listen to the weekly review with Roman. Every- so listen in to the weekly review every Friday.
Morning, mutineers. It's the Labor and Love Show, and welcome to you. If you wanna do
Roses or eyes of thine Try to rock cause it keeps the crowd alive I'm not falling, I'm just calling Well I'm past the days of just yawning Ring around the round, I'm pump, you jump up Play my words for verbs and get you stuck I've been around a while, you can describe myself Get down for the pump of the rage Can you kick your life?
Good morning, mutineers. This is the B, and you are tuned in to Mutiny Radio. Coming at you from here, 2781 21st Street, in the heart of the mission, El Mero Mero. And this is Labor and Love Radio, the show where the labor hits the road. The show where we remind you that if one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. Where we remind you that if you don't have a seat at the table, the negotiating table where you're at, you're probably on the menu. And... Last but not least, in fact, probably most important, never but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. Okay, ladies and gentlemen. As, as, the, case, as the case may be, hope you're getting ready to go out to the Women's March today the largest demonstration in recent history. The march will begin at noon where everyone gets together at Civic Center Plaza. And from there, march down Market Street to Embarcadero Plaza. That march will begin at 2 p.m. So please go. Remember, you're never alone when you stand up for something, when you march for something. And if you don't, you'll be counted as not marching. So, it's very important. Get out there and demonstrate your anger at what's happening to our uh, supposedly democratic country. Remember how we attracted so many working people from around the world with the rhetoric of social justice, where is that rhetoric now? Okay, we started out with Etta James, appropriately enough, on this day that's dedicated to women, where women are the vanguard of the movement, if you want to have a do-right, uptight woman, you got to be a do-right, uptight man. <clears throat> All of that was rage. I can tell you right now, that's rage inside of you. Rage at your government, at your president, at his party, totally bereft of honor. They can't remember what he said if he said shithoe or shithouse. They can't remember. All of a sudden, they weren't there. They didn't remember hearing anything like that. These are people without honor. These are people who are dead. There's a lot of uh, pop culture now around zombies. The walking dead. That's who is governing us, these people who have 
no consciences. Okay. Let's see what we got coming up today on Labor and Love Radio. Well, a historic union drive at the uh, L.A. Times, of all places. We'll cover that. There's certainly a, uh, a historical aspect to that one. We've got radio labor for you today. We've got 12 labor cards of women who carried the labor movement forward in their time and who are looking down on us now to continue their work. All set to the rhythms of Ravel's Bolero, a special. Got a song from Amnesty called Mr. President, something old, something new. Protest knows no age, knows no musical genre, knows them all. Modern, contemporary, jazzy, swingy, go back, they're all there. And we've got Los Diablitos singing their song, Los Caminos de la Vida ways of life. And we've got some very nice and uh, relevant posts from a guy called Mal Let's see. Mal is running for Congress in South Carolina. A man who certainly uh, deserves our support. Mal Lyman, I want to say. And he's got some examples of wage theft and how it happens. Okay. Mal Hyman, H-Y-M-A-N, South Carolina's 7th District. Mal Hyman for Congress. And he's met in a national campaign. So we want to check that out. And then we've got Miss Julie London singing. We've got Residente Hijos del Cañaveral. Puerto Rican Americano as Puerto Rico continues to struggle through neglect and exploitation at the hands of the United States government. We've got the labor beat, including some commentary about French anti-labor laws that Macron, the new president, is or the president is trying to put through. Everyone breathed a big sigh of relief when his opponent is... Uh, conservative right-wing opponent who sort of crumpish um, when Macron beat her. Now he's becoming another perhaps even worse labor opponent. We've got working class history. 
working class history. We got uh, this day in labor history and so much more. So come on, hang out with us. Labor history is your history. And I mentioned that we had uh, Julie London. I'd like to play her first of all here. But let's get on with Radio Labor. This is Radio Labor, a worldwide labor report. This is Solidarity News on Radio Labor. This is a Radio Labor World Report recorded on January 19, 2018. I'm Mark Belanger. In the report this week, why labor is supporting the 2030 UN Sustainable Development Goals, how workers are prepared to be migrant slaves, and the Radio Labor report about union events around the world. This is Radio Labor. One of the ways the international labor movement supports decent work, quality education, and a just transition to sustainable economies is to work with the United Nations. The UN has created the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development Goals, known as the SDGs. Unlike the previous agenda called the Millennium Development Goals, the MDGs, this latest agenda has a category for decent work. Helping labor organizations with the current sustainable development goals is the Trade Union Development Cooperation Network. The network recently interviewed a number of labor activists who are working on the sustainable development goals, the SDGs, in their countries. Julius Kanglet is the vice president of the Federation of Free Workers in the Philippines. The UN has said that it wants to leave no one behind. Partly, the UN is talking to workers when it's saying they, want, they don't want to leave anyone behind because when we did the MDGs before, there were no direct references to what the workers can do and what the workers uh, should be receiving or getting. So having an SDG dedicated for decent work is a major step by the UN towards leaving no one behind. And I think it's very important to workers because without workers, I think we won't be able to achieve the other SDGs. Like, for example, we want education for all, but is anyone talking about the welfare of teachers? We want universal access to health, but who's talking about the welfare of uh, health workers? Uh, same thing about gender equality. Uh, when was the last time the UN talked about the fate of uh, women workers? Same thing with young people. They talk about youth empowerment and everything, but what discussions have been made about young workers. So I think uh, it's very important for trade unions to actively take part in making sure that we achieve the Agenda 2030, that we achieve all of these SDGs, and uh, workers are enablers, uh, not only for the betterment of society, not only for progress, but specifically for the achievement of the SDGs. My name is Naomi Chakanya. I'm a senior researcher at the Labor and Economic Development Research Institute of Zimbabwe. It's quite important for the trade unions to get involved in the Agenda 2030, also called SDG, SDGs, because the SDGs provide a framework for the trade unions to further enhance the work that we have been doing on decent work agenda. 
So the Decent Work Agenda contains four pillars, employment uh, creation, workers' rights, social protection, and social dialogue. And all these four objectives of the Decent Work Agenda are encompassed in the Agenda 23 in various goals that we have. So it's quite important for trade unions to take up this initiative to participate in the spirit of leaving no one behind. My organization has been working on the country profiles on uh, SDGs. We also call them shadow reports for trade unions on how governments are faring in terms of implementing SDGs. So through the TUDCN, we have been uh, able to develop a template for trade unions to do shadow reports on SDGs. And uh, for Zimbabwe, it has been a, a great initiative for us to participate in this uh, template because it has opened spaces for dialogue with the ministry, the coordinating minister of SDGs. And through that template and the country profile that we provided them, they were actually thrilled to know that trade unions are actually progressive and uh, they are there not to distract processes but also to complement what the government is doing in terms of making sure workers' rights are upheld. There are about 230 million migrant workers in the world, people who have left poverty, war, or other dire circumstances to work in another country. They are amongst the most exploited workers in the world. That is why the International Migrants Alliance was created in Hong Kong in 2008. Annie Lestari, the chairperson of the alliance, is an Indonesian domestic worker and migrant rights activist based in Hong Kong. She spoke recently to a social justice forum organized by the Canadian Union of Public Employees. I was confronted between the choice of staying home with nothing to support my family because I still have my siblings back home, my family were indebted, or finding a job somewhere that I still, I never can imagine. So that time, a broker came to me and said, you know, if you want to fast money, you just have to be a migrant. You just have to sacrifice for several years, then you go home with a lot of money. So when I travel abroad, I thought, at least I will be treated as a human. And it was the other way around, because then the whole process of recruitment means you were confined, being trained, and prepared in a way that you are actually a product. You know, they cut my hair, they clean my body, they, they dress me in a way I am a servant of the family. So I cannot have a freedom of holding, uh, even watching TV and so on. So they have the, this kind of very unique enslavement training. It was really an enslavement that I, it was not necessary. So when I run away, then it opened the whole horizon that, you know, the whole labor migration is a scheme. It's a scheme because we were meant to be a slave in another country. The Trade Union Development Cooperation Network, which conducted the interviews heard here, is an initiative of the International Trade Union Confederation. The ITUC is the world body which represents national union centers, such as the AFL-CIO in the United States and the Ghana Trade Union Congress. Now here with his report about union events around the world is Labor Start correspondent Derek Blackadder. Here's a small sample of the average of uh, 220 news stories added to our site each day last week. Our top stories section included links to coverage of a general strike against austerity and restrictions on the right to strike in Greece. 
and the dissolution of an independent metalworkers union after a law effectively banning material international union solidarity took effect in Russia. We had news of strikes and lockouts in dozens of countries. Here are just a few highlights. Australian rail workers walked in frustration with their timetabling. A lockout at Fiji's international airport continues, as does the global campaign to force an end to it. Across much of the United Kingdom, rail workers continued their rotating strikes in an effort to gain a wage increase and prevent job losses. Tunisia's central union, the UGTT, was organizing massive rallies to demand that the government live up to the promises of the Arab Spring. Pakistani teachers began an open-ended strike on the 12th of January in part in an effort to force the sacking of corrupt administrators who have been stealing funds meant for school supplies. And German metal workers continued their rotating strikes as they aimed to achieve a wage increase and a reduction in their hours of work. Our top working women stories included coverage of the first women gas station attendance in Palestine, criticism of Hollywood unions as more allegations of sexual harassment come to light, and the formation of a national women's committee within the Indian Rail Workers Union. The Health and Safety Newswire, rerun in cooperation with Hazards Magazine, carried stories to hundreds of union websites around the world about the high fatality rate amongst migrant workers in Japan, an announcement by a German retailer that the survivors and families of the more than 250 mostly women workers who died in a garment factory fire in Pakistan will receive a small pension as compensation, and we covered the lawsuit filed by the Civil Service Union of Barbados in an effort to have a workplace condemned and demolished. Currently, LabourStart is running seven online actions. Take just a few seconds out of your day and join thousands of trade unionists around the world helping workers make their lives better, or even help save those lives. This is Derek Blackadder from LabourStart, reporting for Radio Labour. And that's it. International labor news you can use. Radio Labor's newscasts are available on its website, iTunes, mobile phones, union websites, and community radio stations. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Labor. I'm Mark Belanger. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's all about global solidarity. Okay, that was a podcast from Radio Labor. Interesting, um, talking about how workers are being prepared to become migrant slaves, in effect. I want to play Doug Cunningham. Doug Cunningham, late of uh, Workers Independent News, and he's now moved over to uh, Union Edge. Let's hear what he's got.
Welcome back. I'm Charles Showalter. You're listening to the Union Edge Laborers Talk Radio. Thank you very much for tuning in. We enjoy your company. We appreciate all the wonderful things you're doing for the community, that's for sure. Hey, this program is uh, sponsored in part by the Operating Engineers Local 66 and IBEW 5, both of the Pittsburgh area. We appreciate their support. Joining us today, we've got Doug Cunningham. Doug, welcome back, man. Hey, Charles. Great to be with you, as always, talking labor news uh, on this particular day, on this Wednesday. Uh, lots, lots of things happening, as usual. And, you know, Maryland, the state of Maryland, a couple of interesting things have happened there recently uh, for working people. Uh, one, they kicked off a campaign this week. Uh, Democrats and labor unions and allies kicked off a $15 minimum wage campaign for the state of Maryland. Uh, if they are successful, 570,000 workers in Maryland will see their pay go up to $15 an hour. Um, and they that's going to happen Gradually, They want to phase it in, so it'll take some time to reach it, actually, by 2023 in Maryland. But it's a good start in the right direction anyway. And hey, Doug, United I think way- we ought to phase it in like we phased in the tax breaks for the rich people in this yeah, country. Yeah, let's phase, it, let's phase it in overnight in a wee hours of the morning action by the yeah. Congress to, 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 to take care of all working people that don't make 15 an hour. Let's do that. How about that? Uh, in fact, that's a good idea for the next agenda item for the government in Washington. Well, you know, let's get started with that. Of course, they're going to let the government shut down instead, So, but that's a whole other story. Um, this minimum wage, $15 an hour, that's a great thing. But recently, just last week, there was another action that the state of Maryland took, and this was um, that they had put into law paid sick leave for working people. And the governor there, who is a Republican, Larry Hogan, um, he vetoed it, and his veto was overridden by the legislature in Maryland. So some good pro-worker action uh, happening there in the state of Maryland. There you go. You know, now, what we got to do is we got to work our way into D.C., you know, because D.C. has been talking about, oh, wow, you know, we're, if you're collecting Medicare or Medicaid or Social Security or disability or something like that, you, you ought to go to work. Yeah. And, right, and yeah, I'm thinking yeah. to myself, well, my God, you know, we got 525 uh, people in the House and the Senate in Washington, D.C., who, um, well, you know, if you want health care coverage, you ought to go to work, folks, because Lord knows you ain't doing anything. And, and you know, quite frankly, um, you know, you, you better get out there and get that pick and shovel going before you go see the doctor. I am so sick and tired of of, gover- of governments that try to squeeze people who are poor and hurting at every stage of the game. They try to make it as difficult as possible. Health care is especially one of those issues for me. Health care, look, folks, everybody, all of us. Infants, children, women, men, old folks, young folks, everybody ought to have universal health care coverage as a human right in a nation like America. We can afford it. We could figure out a a common sense way of paying for it through taxes, uh, through uh, employer contributions, etc. But everybody should have health care. And it's really ridiculous. If you get really sick, for example, and you've got Medicaid coverage, what happens then? If you get sick, then you can't work, right? So what happens to the work requirement then? On healthcare, it's just idiotic. Uh, w- w- what we need is to take a few uh, billions of dollars from folks like Jeff Bezos, who's over worth over a hundred billion, while his workers are suffering with with poverty wages at Amazon, places like that. We need more social and economic justice in America, and we need universal healthcare, and we need to stop this punishment of the poor just because you're poor and you're you're on hard times. Uh, you know, punish you, put a bunch of roadblocks in your way, while just 
just scrambling over each other as fast as they could to give tax cuts to the billionaires and to the corporations. And to themselves. Uh, and, yeah, and, and that's themselves. another thing. Hey, Doug, enough you, is enough. You, we need fairness for working people. Doug, do you remember when some of our Republican friends in Congress were talking about, oh, Obamacare, they're going to push Grandma off the cliff? Oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. yeah okay. Well, wait, wait, wait a second. Yeah. You know, time out here. Um, if you're saying you can't get health care coverage if you can't work, you can't go to the hospital if you can't work. Right, right. What happens? Think about you, that for a second, yeah, folks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's ponder that. That just yeah. Just, that you one know, you're di- you're, Oh my God, you're dying. From, you you were in a car accident. You're dying on the side of the road. Are are you working? Are are you working? I can I can I can see him showing up at a critical care hospital bed. Oops, you're not working. Sorry, got to pull your plug. You know. Um, I mean, come on. It, it, at, this, at this stage of the game in the 21st century in a country as rich as ours, nobody should want for health care. We should have a system in place that covers that base, you know, and covers it well. Uh, speaking of covering bases, hundreds of, of, of Newark airport workers are trying to cover that higher wage base. Hundreds of them rallied this week in Newark. Uh, to, it's pushing for a higher wage, and they've got good cause to do it. They're controlled by the same organization that controls New York airports, New York and New Jersey airports, right? But over on the New York side, their wages are higher. Those air, those airport workers who staff and do the staffing work and do the do the work over there, they're they're uh, getting paid now. I think what is it? Oh, it's twelve dollars. Yes, twelve dollars an hour. Kennedy and LaGuardia. Uh, minimum wage uh, in New York. It goes to $15 an hour December 13th, 2018, okay? And over on the G- New Jersey side, the minimum wage in New Jersey is only eight forty four an hour. And so hundreds of workers How are How do you live in New Jersey for eight forty four an uh, hour? It's, it's incredible. And all they're asking for in this first stage is to push to $10.10 an hour. And, and you know, the, and people on the New York side, controlled by the same authority, uh, they're already higher in their wage, and and you know there's not a not a not much daylight between the the living costs in New Jersey and in Newark and New York. I mean, ten dollars ten cents an hour anyway is what they're and they're advocating for that. They're 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 agitating for that. SEIU is helping lead the way there with workers, and so hundreds of them were marching for that this week. And, and God bless them. I hope they get it. We need a we need a, a future in America sooner rather than later, where everybody is making a living wage, no matter what your job is. Uh, and and if you if we get to that stage, then we can talk about really lifting things up and making things better for every worker above that wage. But we need that floor, that solid floor of at least fifteen dollars an hour. And in New York City, in the New York metro area, I would argue you need much more than that, even for a living wage. Right. And you know, I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, you know, President Trump likes everything that's going on in in Norway. Um, they've got a minimum wage that is a life or a family sustaining wage, and um, you know they've got they've got a a bottom level that they think everybody in the country should have. Um, you know that should be their their standard of living. Um, you know why can't we uh, do that here in the United States? Yeah, especially since when you consider you, you point to really rich people like Jeff Bezos, you know, and you say to yourself, well, oh, he's fantastic. He earned that money. He must be brilliant, right? Well, yeah, he squeezed it out of the workers, okay? No matter how brilliant you are, how good your idea is, or how much you deserve yourself personally, anything that you do like a big business like Amazon, you have to depend on working people right. to help you carry that off, to make that happen, to make it possible. And so you can't siphon all of their wages off, make them live in poverty while you're making what you, what you worth, are worth $100 billion. That's just unjust. It's not the American way. It's not right. And money's being taken directly from working people to enrich people like me. So we got to stop that with our policies. I'm not talking about taking all of the wealthy's wealth away. I'm just talking about some justice, you know, here. Because uh, all wealth, everything that's created that has value, gets created first by labor. 
capital is only possible because labor existed first to create the value. There you go. That's us, folks, working people, you know. So we just want our fair share, just a little justice, that's all. CWA got a big um, uh, settlement with AT&T. They, they revealed the results of the, of the voting for their workers, by the way, 21,000 overwhelmingly support uh, the uh, contract, the new contract with AT&T. Right. They, get a, they get a 10% raise. They get some job security language in there. And uh, they get uh, also shifting $2,500 a year from commission to base pay for retail workers, which is important for them. So yeah, and, and, and one of the other things that's really kind of neat is um, they're, they're repatriating some jobs, aren't they? I believe so, yes. I don't have details at hand right now about exactly uh, how many and, and how that's that's unfolding. But, yes, that was a big issue. Uh, the job security and outsourcing was a huge issue in the AT&T standoff. And this one was uh, 21,000 workers in 36 states, uh, CWA, new four-year contract. And so they were voting. They voted back in December and just released the results. So overwhelmingly approved, and they have a good new four-year contract for those 21,000 workers and some more job security. Thankfully. There you go. Doug, it's an awesome thing. What can I tell you? Hey, listen, we got to get going, brother, but uh, we'll talk to you Friday, yeah? All right, yeah. Coming back on Friday, we'll do the same thing all over again. Can't wait. Always a pleasure. Different topics, different days, same bat channel, same Doug time. That's and right. don't just, forget, just... order your 8 by 10 glossies of Doug Cunningham <laughs> working on the beach in, uh, in, in, in um, you know, Madison, and, Wisconsin. And the next time you need me, just turn that bat signal, uh, crank it up to high and point it north towards Wisconsin. <laughs> I'll, I'll get the signal and join you. Yeah, riding the polar bear. <laughs> All right, brother, we appreciate it. That polar cave, and I'll do. I'll get there. So there you go. We appreciate it very much. In the meantime, that was Doug Cunningham. I'm Charles Showalter. You're listening to the Union Edge Labor's Talk Radio. Okay, Doug Cunningham, late of uh, Workers Independent News, now with Labor's Edge, with his perspective on. The labor news, as always, uh, mixing very well the uh, cosmic, the theoretical, and the uh, specific, the concrete. A lot of talk. Let's get some music. Natalie Maines.
This is still the B, and you're still on uh, Labor and Love. Trying to get Miss Julie London up here. At a James, Crimea River. Now you say 
Cried a river 
This is the lead-in to another uh, version of Crimea River. This one by Julie London. And it shows Tom Yule from the movie Seven Year Itch playing the most beautiful torch song that he knows. for a big bottle. Okay, that was uh, Julie London's rather haunting version of I- of Crimea River, as opposed to Ella's, which is a lot more aggressive, both saying to the man, look, you didn't want me? I'm gone. Crimea River, okay? You know, go somewhere and cry me a river. Treat me right. Okay, and hopefully again, you're all getting ready to go out to the assembly at 
Civic Center Plaza at noon. You can listen to the show and then head out. Get there at 1220. Um, uh, which is the precursor to a parade, a walk down Market Street in protest of Mr. Trump and his soulless Republican Party. Don't get me wrong. The Democrats do not serve our interest except when it suits them. But those people who sat in that meeting and heard President Trump say shithole countries and then deny it, said they didn't hear it. These are people without souls. These are the walking dead. Okay. Now we're going to have an extravaganza here. I want to do the labor beat, which is a labor stories that I've found during the week that are of import to working people and working people's organizations. So let's uh, find the labor beat. And that would be on Labor and Love Radio. You can follow us on Labor and Love Radio, and every week I will uh, post stories that are of interest to people in the labor movement and to workers in general. And this week I found a couple. I I mentioned the French story. Um, President Macron, Macron, you know, how should I say that? Don't want to intentionally bust the guy's name. Might not agree with what he's doing, but it's a little rude to uh, make fun of somebody's name. French labor reform attempts to remove important labor union laws. This is on Real News. It's the Real News Network. I'm Sharmini Pires coming to you from Baltimore. After weeks of negotiations with unions over the summer, the centrist government of French President Emmanuel Macron unveiled measures to roll back labor laws in France. The measures include caps on payouts for wrongful dismissals and greater freedom to hire and fire. The plan would also give companies more flexibility to adopt pay and working hours to market conditions. On to talk about this with me is Dean Baker. Dean is co-director of the Center for Economic and Policy Research and is the author of Rigged, How Globalization and the Rules of Modern Economy Were Structured to Make the Rich Richer. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on. So, uh, Dean, Francois Hollande tried to do this as well, and many people predicted at the time that this was going to be the end of his presidency. And now we have Emmanuel Macron trying to roll back labor laws in France once again. First, tell us uh, what is it that he's rolling back and in whose interest and, um, and uh, whether this is the legacy of French presidents. It's starting to look like that. 
Yeah, well, starting with the second point first, actually, interestingly enough, uh, Macron was actually the uh, economy minister in Hollande's government when he was uh, attempting his labor market reforms. This has been an ongoing process. Uh, so Hollande, who was, of course, a socialist, before him, Sarkozy, who was from the, the Conservative Party, um, they both ha had attempted labor market reforms, and this has to be understood as part of that process. Now, how far this goes, you'd really have to be much more of an expert on, on French labor market policy and practice to be able to answer that with great authority. But I'll just say what the biggest item here, at least from my standpoint, is that it gives companies the right to negotiate, companies with less than 50 workers, the right to negotiate directly with their workers apart from industry-wide agreements. And this is something different than what we have in the United States. In the United States, you don't have industry-wide agreements. You know, if you have General Motors and you have a union, General Motors, they negotiate for the workers at General Motors. And same with any other company. But in France, they have a policy where they do have agreements that apply to the whole industry. And it's quite striking because in France, the percentage of its workforce that's in unions is actually very low. It's only around 10%, roughly the same as the United States. But roughly 90% of the labor, labor force is covered by union contracts, and that is because of these industry-wide agreements. So if you give firms of less than 50, and that's where a very large share of French workers are employed, if you give them the option to get out of these industry-wide agreements, you're in effect taking away their union representation. So that's potentially a very big deal. But again, how that plays out in practice, I think we're going to have to see in the years ahead. Now, Dean, one of the reasons given for these moves in terms of rolling back uh, labor rights is to improve the conditions in terms of employment in the country. Unemployment, I understand, is double that of other European countries of the Fran France's status. Um, why is uh, the rolling back of labor going to assist in terms of unemployment? Well, that is a really good question. This is often asserted, and this is an area that's hotly contested among economists. I and some of my colleagues have done some work on this over the years, and we actually found that there was very little relationship between this referred to as labor market pretensions and unemployment rates. And we wrote several papers on this. We presented this at a meeting with the OECD back in 2004, and they largely accepted our conclusions, which isn't to say that you know, excessive labor market regulation can never be an obstacle to, to employment, to growth. But that's not generally the story. So the idea that if you weaken labor market regulation, that France is going to see some sort of boom, there's really no evidence to support that. I should also point out, it's not the basket case that it's often portrayed. If you look at employment rates, so the percentage of people that are employed of prime age workers, people between 25 and 54, where we expect they're for the most part not students and for the most part not retired, they're actually above the United States. So when you hear high unemployment, it's largely a story that actually more people want to work in France than in the United States. They're kind of unemployed. But in terms of actually employing people for their prime age workers, they do a better job than we do. When you get to older people, people in their 60s, more people are retired. That's a policy choice. It's easier to retire, say, at 60, 61 in France than the U.S. I mean, you could argue whether that's good or bad, but that's a policy choice. That's not an economic failure. Okay, that was Dean Baker talking about... Uh talking about French laws under uh, Macron and how he wants to take away, bust the labor movement down.
let employers get out of those industry-wide uh, industry-wide agreements. Women would lose 4.6 billion. This is about the tipping bill. Now you think a tip, oh, it's no big deal. But a lot, a lot of food workers, which I've been myself, kind of depend on tips and hope for a really good week with tips so that that will enhance their, uh, increase their wages. Okay. And it says, women would lose $4.6 billion in earned tips if the administration's tip-stealing rule is finalized. Overall, workers would lose $5.8 billion. Now let's review what this law is about again. There are lots of uh, fast food restaurant workers who earn very low wages. In some states, two, three dollars an hour. And the excuse for that is that they will make up that amount in tips. They will get what amounts to a living wage with their tips. And then the issue became, well, what about people who are in the back room? the actual cooks and the dishwashers uh, who don't face the public and don't collect tips. So workers need to put their tips together. This is, this is the boss's thing, you know, to put the tips together and divide it up among all workers. But the proposed rule does not require employers to distribute the tips. You know, these these people who are in power, and don't tell me that they're good people and they have consciences. I, of course, some of them do and some of them will. But some of them will take that money away from workers. Anyway. Of course, once employers have full control of tips, the article says, one of the things they could do with those tips is distribute them to back-of-the-house workers like dishwashers and cooks. But the proposed rule does not require employers to distribute them. Okay, so think about that person who's bringing you lunch. Think about that person that cooks your food. Think about that person who's serving you so you don't have to do your own work and clean up for yourself. Okay. That's the labor bee. I think we got one more story here. Guess not. All right, today I want to honor women in the labor movement. These are the people who got us the minimum wage, low as it is. These are the people who got us 
the weekend. These are the people who got us OSHA and Social Security and a whole list of gains for working people. Where uh, some people would want to bust us down. Okay. So I want to start Ravel's Bolero. And I want to mention the women in the labor movement. I want to honor Elizabeth Gurley Flynn. And her labor card says, By the time she was 17, Flynn had been expelled from high school for giving speeches about socialism and was already an organizer for the Industrial Workers of the World, the IWW. In the next few years, she participated in labor campaigns with garment workers, miners, and textile workers. In Seattle, she once chained herself to a lamppost to delay her arrest. During her long career, she spoke out for the eight-hour day, safe working conditions, union recognition, birth control, and women's suffrage. She died while on a trip to the Soviet Union, and Joe Hill's song, The Rebel, Rebel Girls, dedicated to Elizabeth Gurley Flynn. It's great to fight with freedom with the rebel girl. We honor you, Elizabeth Gurley Flynn. We honor Aquan McElrath. AQ's parents arrived in the Hawaiian Islands during the early 1900s to work on the sugar plantations. She joined the Longshore Workers Union in a bid to organize all the workers in the islands. In 1946, for 79 days, and again in 1949, for 157 days, workers in Hawaii went on strike and won wage increases and collective bargaining rights from sugar and shipping companies. The ILWU did this by assuring that all ethnicities, Japanese, Chinese, Filipino, and Native Hawaiian, were included and represented in the ILWU leadership. We honor you, Aquan McElrath. We honor you, Mei Chen. The saying goes, when fire singes the skin of women workers, they rise up like tigers. Chen was born and raised in Boston, attended college in New York and in California, and began working in New York's Chinatown to improve the wages and working conditions of garment workers, most of whom worked in sweatshops. In 1982, Chen and other International Ladies Garment Workers Union leaders organized a massive demonstration of 20,000, mostly Asian women workers and other community members, to demand holidays and improve benefits for their work contractors gave in. We honor you, Mei Chin. 
Yanni you Matilda Robbins Rabinowitz. Untaba Gitel Rabinovna in Litin, Ukraine. Matilda Robbins immigrated to the U.S. in 1900. She joined the Socialist Party, radicalized by her experience as a garment industry worker from age 13. In 1912, the Industrial Workers of the World sent her to textile mills in Little Falls, New York, to lead her first strike. The following year, she was briefly jailed in Detroit as a wobbly organizer of the first auto industry strike. By the way, this is the strike that caused Henry Ford to raise wages to $5 an hour. People say he did it to be beneficent. No, he was avoiding a union. Matilda Robbins was a single mother by choice, found employment as a social worker in Los Angeles, where she remained deeply committed to personal autonomy, economic justice, and social equality. She died in Oakland on her birthday, January 9th. We honor you, Matilda Robbins Rabinowitz. We honor you, Helen Keller. Helen Keller said, the majority of mankind is ground down by industrial oppression in order that the small remnant may live in ease. Though blind and deaf, Keller learned to talk with the help of her teacher, Anne Sullivan. She went on to become a world-famous speaker and writer for peace, women's suffrage, the right to birth control, and strong unions for workers. She realized that many medical conditions are caused or made worse by poverty. Keller helped start the American Civil Liberties Union and in 1912 joined the Industrial Workers of the World and wrote many articles for the IWW paper. The Miracle Worker is about her early life. We honor you, Helen Keller. We honor you, Emma Goldman. During a political argument with her father, 617-year-old Emma Goldman emptied a pitcher of water on his head and left home. For the rest of her life, she traveled all over the U.S. and Europe, working and speaking tirelessly for women's rights, for women's liberation, and for a society free of poverty and injustice. In her magazine, Mother Earth, she called for reproductive rights and an end to the draft. After she was arrested for opposing World War I, she asked, if we don't have democracy here, how can we fight for it in Europe? She was banished from the U.S. and lived the rest of her life in Russia and Europe. We honor you, Emma Goldman. We honor you, Emma Tenayuka. Emma Tenayuka was born and raised in San Antonio, Texas. While still in high school, she joined parades for workers' rights and in 1938 helped organize a strike of pecan workers for a living wage. For 37 days, the workers refused to work. Finally, the companies gave in and the workers' pay was raised. And Ku Klux Klan members threatened to kill Emma and raided a meeting where she was speaking. She had to leave San Antonio. Later, she became a teacher in San Francisco, by the way. 
I was arrested a number of times, she said, but I never thought in terms of fear. I thought in terms of justice. She was called La Pasionada of Texas. We honor you, Emma Tenayuka. Rose Schneiderman, we honor you. The worker must have bread, but she must have roses too. Rose Schneiderman's family arrived in the U.S. from Poland in 1890. She lived in an orphanage and went to work when she was 13. She helped organize her factory and in 1909 became a leader of the International Ladies Garment Workers Uprising of 20,000, a strike demanding safer working conditions. Several factory workers complied, but some did not, leading to the terrible Triangle Shirtwaist Factory Fire in 1911. Rose campaigned for women's suffrage and became an advisor to Franklin and Eleanor Roosevelt during the New Deal. We honor you, Rose Schneiderman. We honor you, Lucy Parsons, part Native American, African American, and Mexican. Parsons left Texas in 1871 and went to Chicago where she joined the fight for the eight-hour day. After the famous demonstration in Haymarket Square in 1886, her husband was arrested and executed. Lucy became a leader of the movement for collective bargaining, the 40-hour week and equal pay for women. The strike of the future is to remain in and take possession of the necessary property of production. what was later called a sit-in. The Chicago Police Department said that Parsons was more dangerous than a thousand rioters. We honor you, Lucy Parsons. Okay, that's the first part of our honor of women labor leaders. We'll get to a few more in a bit. Ravel's Bolero. A little bit is right. Okay. Continuing on. We honor you, Mary Harris Jones, known as Mother Jones. Mary came to the U.S. from Ireland in 1870. In 1870, all four of her children and her husband died of typhoid fever. For the rest of her life, she traveled around the country speaking on behalf of workers. She worked for the United Mine Workers and the Industrial Workers of the World in 1903 to protest the terrible conditions of child labor. She led a parade of children to demonstrate in front of President Theodore Roosevelt's house. Mother Jones was active in the Blair Miners' Strike in 1921. 
One district attorney called her the most dangerous woman in America. We honor you, Mary Harris Jones. We honor you, Luisa Moreno. California, she said, became prosperous with the toil and sweat of Mexican immigration. Moreno came to New York from Guatemala in 1928 and worked as a, worked as a seamstress in Harlem. She was radicalized during a 1930 demonstration where she saw police beating protesters. This was to protest a, a film that was being shown and painted a false character, caricature of Mexican, Amer Mexican people. She saw the, these people being beaten up and immediately decided what her life would be. At any rate, Luisa worked with Latina and African-American cigar rollers in Florida and pecan workers in Texas. She settled in California to organize cannery workers and became a leading voice opposing the beating of young Mexican-Americans by servicemen during the so-called Zoot Suit Riots. She was deported to Mexico by, in 1950 at the height of the Red Scare. Congressman Tenney and the right-wing elements in L.A. deported her, as they're doing now to our DACA, our young DACA people. We honor you, Luisa Moreno. We honor you, Dolores Huerta. Huerta was born in New Mexico and raised in southern Stockton, California. She started as a teacher, but she said, I realized that I could help farm workers more by becoming an organizer. She worked on voter registration drives with the community services organization and later helped start the United Farm Workers. She worked tirelessly on picket lines and organizing drives, sometimes at the risk of her life. During the great boycott, it was Huerta who negotiated the contracts when the growers gave in to union and public pressure and settled. In 1997, Huerta was named one of the regents of the University of California. We honor you, Dolores Huerta. We honor all these women who worked tirelessly so that we could all have better lives as workers, honoring them today. And if you got the feeling of a march, of a march through history, a march through time, and the progress we've made as working people, thanks to people like this. You're right. That's why I played it with uh, Ravel's Bolero. Okay, I want to talk a little bit about Mel Hyman. Uh, Mel Hyman is a guy who's running for South Carolina's 7th District. 
And he's got some, some, uh, a post up on the internet about wage theft. Okay. Mal says, the Department of Labor is currently and quietly working to make wage theft easier than ever with a proposal to legalize stealing tips from employees. We already discussed that one. Uh, theft in the United States, wage theft, okay? Rest break, about $4 billion. Minimum wage, $23.20 billion. Off the clock overtime, 8.8. Off the clock is 3.2. Overtime is 8.8. This is money that's stolen from workers. So if you're denied your, your rest break, okay, that money goes into the boss's pocket. The minimum wage in itself is a ripoff of workers' of wages. Workers' wages should be a living wage. You should be able to raise a family with the money you make. Overtime, forcing people to work overtime, $8.8 billion every year. Off-the-clock work, where you're told... Um, Punch out, but keep working until this or that is done. $3.2 billion. Other kinds of theft. Uh, auto theft, $3.8 billion. Burglary, $4.1, 5 .3. So we've got a system where uh, wage theft is kind of built into it. Wage theft in any... Any cases built into it. Mal also talks about El Salvador. For centuries in El Salvador, a small elite group contributed most of the resources and exploited the citizenry. When an uprising for better economic justice and democracy arose, led by a group called the FMLN, the Salvadorian elite used billions of dollars from the U.S., as well as training in paramilitary tactics, including torture. The Salvadorian elite used the money from the U.S. to strengthen its paramilitary death squads, which set the stage for the rise of Brutal right ring leader Roberto Dobison. This is the man who shot Archbishop Oscar Romero. After Romero came out and begged Dobison and his ilk, in the name of God, in the name of the suffering people whose laments rise to the heavens each day more tumultuous, I ask you, I beg you, I order you, stop the repression. These are the people Mr. Trump wants to kick out of our country. 250,000 Salvadorians. Now, if you were, you were a rich Salvadorian and in control of the economy of the country, you probably wouldn't come here. You might have a house here. You're not going to come here to live. 
the people who left El Salvador left because of the war, but also because they were forced to leave. They might be killed if they stayed. And Roberto Dobison was kind of the face of this movement. Also have the the whole DACA situation. Young people who came to this country who are contributing to our country. And this is where the U.S. has always, always, always depended on its sustenance. The economy has depended on its sustenance for workers from other countries bringing their skills and their ideas and their social justice ideals to this country. These are people who are here already. <laughs> they, don't have, they don't have to be allowed in. They're here already. They're already part of their community and part of their entire, the entire world around them. Uh, and our government is just kicking them out with the stroke of a pen. All that blood, all those lives, all those, all that love and suffering and pain just wiped out at the stroke of a pen. Okay, uh, let's see. When you are down and out, sing a song. Even when you're not down and out, don't ever let nobody turn you around. You might slip, you might slide, you might stumble and fall by the roadside, but don't you ever let From each other, that's what love is for. Don't you let, let nobody drag your spirit down. Shout your spirit let down.
Women will never be free unless they have control of their own bodies. Here's Hazel Dickens. We charted my times, followed my moon, but then someday came a little too soon. I got the nine months of blues. Too much to gain, or too much to lose. But he was kind of happy when he heard my news. I got the nine months of blues. There was him and me and the baby made three, but we made up our minds to stay there. With little bitty things made of rubber and such And cause we were friends we decided to go Dutch When we said I do it was a solemn oath So we did and we did and it pleased us both We still can't figure out what went wrong But that's the first line of the nine months song I got the nine months blues Too much to gain and too much to lose I get out the dress and the sensible shoes I got the nine months blues I said, this time around, I'm gonna cast my stone. I'm gonna have a chance to call my life my own. About the SPC, the FPA, they said, keep that child, don't fling it away. The doctor said he had the right to refuse. The law says if you want to beat the noose, you gotta be rich or near to your grave. So away I went again on my nine-month rave. I got the nine-month blues. Too much to gain, too much to lose. And that time around, I got a McTwos, I got the nine months of blues. 
we tried was the capital P And I-L-L's what that made me My head buzzed open and I nearly went crazy And my moon started rising every 14 days I says I may be sick but I'm safe and free We started making honey like a couple of bees But one May morning I must have forgot Dropped me right back to the nine months slot I got the nine months Too much to lose I want my old man be happy when he hears my news I got the nine months of blues I got kids everywhere Two, three, four, five I just can't swim without taking the dive I went for advice They says to me They said the next thing to try is the IUD But the small print allows that the loopity loop Has a margin of error Then you're in the soup But your kid'll be normal So don't you fret Even though you least afford the nine months I better get my old man to disconnect his fuse I got the nine month blues I love my man, I love my kids But if I have any more, I'm gonna blow my lid It's not just the 40 weeks on my mind It's also the washing hanging on my line It could be the worry on the old man's face By thinking of the future of the female race It all began with a love and a laughter Then so much care such a long time after every nine months blues. Too much to gain, too much to lose. Now, don't you think we ought to have the right to choose to sing the 20 year blues? Amor sin papeles, love without documents. Porque hemos unido sueño y pasión. Porque te conozco y me conoces en lo más profundo del corazón. A diario te veo y lo confirmo contigo a completo todo mi ser es como encontrar un tesoro perdido pasando mi vida en busca de él y con el amor no más no se juega no hay otra ley Papeles ni tú los tienes Y la ley prohíbe nuestra unión Pero qué es la vida si no arriesgamos Verás que las puertas las abre Dios Le cierran las puertas al inmigrante 
encuentran en la razón Pero el que busca al fin encuentra Ya transformaremos esta nación Ni con el amor no más no se juega entero y caminar con el amor no más no se juega no pueblo mío no hay otra ley más fuerte que no hay otra ley más fuerte que ella el amor no tiene fronteras entero y caminar con papeles o sin papeles Okay, that was uh, Amor Sin Papeles by uh, Francisco Herrera, prominent uh, musician in San Francisco and candidate for public office. Right now, mulling a, a run for a mayor. And uh, before that, we had Hazel Dickens with the nine-month blues, a sort of a wry, humorous look at pregnancy. And uh, as we noted, women will never be free unless they have control of their own bodies. And the one before that was Linda Tillery, and don't ever let nobody turn you round. This is The Bee, and this is The Labor and Love Show. Happy to be coming at you from 2781 21st Street, the home of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival, 2018 version. March 1st through the 5th, Thursday through Saturday, 6 to 11 p.m., and Sunday and Monday, 5 to 10 p.m. 37 comics, 25 shows, 5 days live for 30 audience members, live streaming and podcasts. So come on down and fill up our space here at Mutiny Radio. Visit us on www.mutinyradio.fm or come down in person, 2781 21st Street in San Francisco. Okay, 11.46, about time for us to uh, move on. 
Hope you have a good week, and I expect to see all of you down at the march, at the Women's March. We have to uh, exercise exercise our rights by exercising our feet. Come and march in protest. This is the B signing off. Hello, Solina. So many things. Hello, everybody out there. Vita, who makes me want to be a better dad all the time. The whole group. Kiki is over there in Norway. And, uh, and when you think about. Hello, Solina. Okay, I said it twice now. My soulmate, Sylvia Ramirez. And. Remember, if one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. Please remember, if you don't have a seat at the table, at the negotiating table where you work, you're probably on the menu. Never but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. And when I say labor... I mean you. This is a Labor and Love radio show. We're going out with Willie Dixon. Don't make sense if you can't make peace. The Labor and Love show where the labor meets the road. Wishing all of you a good week and good work. This is the B. Stay tuned for my buddy Scott Walker and his show, Flat Black Plastic. Coming right up. But it don't make sense. Hope you all have a good afternoon. It don't make sense. It don't make sense. When you can't make peace. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship 
as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Hey everybody, listen to the Weekly Review with Roman every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. This is an unapologetically anti-capitalist program. We interview community organizers, activists, and artists. We talk about ways you can take action right now. So listen in to the Weekly Review every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. brings you visual and auditory mind control. For the best graphic design, physical merchandise, and live music promotion, go to www.subliminalsf.com and check out their hilarious t-shirts and super cool bands at clubs and bars all over the Bay Area. Subliminal SF creates amazing flyers, posters, and design for every need. So go now to www.subliminalsf.com and experience what this wonderful local business has to offer. Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that anytime I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's Underground Comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere five dollars every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because five dollars, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere five dollars is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So then all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. (laughs) Well, hello, boys and girls. You know what a password is. That's a secret word that soldiers would use to get past the sentry and up to the front. Well, here's a password that gets you up to the front in all the right places. It's cannabis energy. It seems the faster you go, the more cannabis energy you need. 
So if you want to win, you have to have lots of cannabis energy. And the swellest way I know to get it is just by using Green Army Skincare. Boy, they're just crammed full of cannabis energy. There are more cannabis energy units in one lip balm tube than you use circling the base 10 times or when you ride your bike four miles across the city. And it's fast acting. Why, no sooner that you apply some balm to your mouth or pain areas, you practically feel the new strength in your muscles. And what's more, Green Army Skincare is a good, wholesome product. They're made with body nourishing cannabis and other natural ingredients. So go out there today and pick up some Green Army Skincare products from your local cannabis procurement center. Join thegreenarmy.com. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to invite you down to Bender's Bar and Grill in the heart of the Mission District in San Francisco at 806 South Van Ness. Uh, we've got great food by our kitchen counter. Hey, people, this is the Flat Black Classic Show. All the recordings you hear on today's show were purchased this week at Community Thrift Store on Valencia in between 17th and 18th East Side, across from the cop shop. You should go down there and support them. If in no other way, just donate stuff. All right, keep listening, please. Yeah. 